0: Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, the Swansea City podcast. I am Gytor Llewelyn and with me as always, we have Steve Carroll and Matt Barocco Evening, boys.
1: Even. Evening.
0: Uh, you are in for a treat tonight. Um, before uh, we get on to that, though, um, a little quick apology that we've been away for so long. Um, we've got three matches to catch up on, which uh, we will be doing over the coming minutes. But uh, we'll also be looking ahead to the very exciting Uh, first leg of the playoffs against Barnsley. Um, I've got a good feeling about this podcast. I think there's a good vibe about the place. We've got a lot to discuss, so let's get straight into it um, by looking back at the match which actually sealed our place in the playoffs. Uh, Steve, we only needed a draw against Reading and that's exactly what we got. How did you see this match?
1: Um, I didn't think it was brilliant, particularly in the first half. Obviously, we conceded but was quite a soft goal. I thought it was nicely worked by Redding, but Bidwell switched off and allowed the striker in to score what was a good header. But didn't think we offered a lot, really. But then, to be fair, as soon as AU came on, there was that nice little flick, wasn't there, that um, set low away and he scored. And then I thought the second goal that we scored was excellent, really. So it was an improvement, definitely, after the break. I think it was frustrating then that, late on, obviously we, we conceded again. It's it's not a great habit that we've been in as over the last ten games or so. With you know, there's quite a few times we've conceded a goal um, right at the end of the game. So that's something we need to be aware of. But I mean, if we're being honest, we'd have all taken the draw because the draw was what mathematically was uh, enough to guarantee us a playoff place. So in that sense, really, it was um, job done, wasn't it? And you know, I, I've said before. Sometimes Andre you as brilliant
0: as he is, can be frustrating. But I think against against Reading, we really did show how valuable he is. Because I didn't think the Swans were, were, were that bad against Reading, but we definitely didn't have any kind of cutting edge until he came on. And then suddenly the tempo upped. There was a bit more creativity, a bit a bit more of, of a threat from us, wasn't there? And it just it showed again that you know, even though he can be frustrating at times, he is going to be absolutely key when it comes to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we can't really afford to be without him, can we? I think that's the the best way of looking at it. Like you say, he can be frustrating on times, but I mean, would you, would you want a Swansea team without him? I mean, if you can help it, no, I would say. And uh, obviously we, hopefully we won't find that out uh, next season either, but um yeah, we, we definitely need him in the side, don't we? And um, you know, hopefully he's had a, a little break now because he's he sat out one or two games. Obviously, he did have a bit of a knock, but he's played so much football, hasn't he? That you know, hopefully that that little rest may have done him so good, and he'll be uh, a little bit fresher now for uh, what is to come. <laughs>
0: um, you did say that you were you know concerned about late goals. Um, by my count, it's it's six games in the last uh, in in our last ten in which uh, the opposition has scored. After the 80th minute, some of those, of course, coming in the 90th minute. Um, it's not really been a trait for most of the season. Why? Why do you think it's it's crept into our game in the last ten games or so?
1: It's hard to really put your finger on it. I mean, it, it could just be coincidences in some ways. I mean, look at the Birmingham one where there was the penalty. I think Dan does a bit unlucky. He slipped, doesn't he? And um, you know, what can you do then? you're giving away a penalty? You're always going to be up against it in terms of keeping it out. Um, where else is said the, the preston game we conceded late didn't we I think there was a bit of a deflection on that maybe we we're a bit unlucky but I think I did say on previous plots we that we'd maybe our luck was just running out a little bit in that sense and then you know the red in one i think from what I remember the, the ball went through a, a fairly big crowd of players that maybe could have been stopped i think you know i think the ball must score against us very late on I think but obviously we were already two down so yeah, you know that that didn't do a lot of um, damage, really, did it? But um, you know, it it is a it's a concern. Uh, you, we can't um, say anything else about it. I think what we just it just needs to reiterate that the game is ninety minutes and uh, you've got to make sure you keep your concentration, really, because you can concede at the end, otherwise as as we have done recently. So I think maybe it's just a, a bit of a kick up the backside, really. Although you know, th- there weren't really similar types of goals in there, as I've said, there were. You know, maybe a little bit unlucky. Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, let's move on um, then, Matt. Um, Swans secured their place in the playoffs, and that meant that we could uh, take a take it a bit easier uh, when it came to Derby. Um, I mean, we we made a few changes. um, Didn't pick a full strength side before we get on to discuss the match. Did you agree with that decision? Because Obviously, Derby were in the midst of a um, of a relegation battle, and let's face it, the whole of the championship wanted to see them go down. They wanted to see Wayne Rooney <laughs> relegated. So, I mean, we we weren't really, you know, doing the neutrals a favour by, um, by by picking a softer side, were we?
2: No, but at the same time, um, there were still players in there which I would have liked to seen given a break if possible. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as Maybe um, weak as I would have chosen it. I would have, you know, I would have properly stretched the EFL rules to the limit and and mm-hmm. used as, as few first teamers as possible. Because um, I think where we all agree our season perhaps has uh, just hit the buffers a little bit is is, is that we we're absolutely exhausted. Um, and and having secured playoff place, um, there was only one thing really to compete from at that point, and that was to get uh, the the second leg at home. Um, which which is something we've we've since secured. So there was something that we could get um, in 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 the pot still for us. But uh, I was more looking at it. it doesn't matter when the games are playing or, or what advantage you can gain from playing here first and there second, etc. Um, if we don't turn up, which which obviously the last few weeks we've struggled to do so because of the tired legs, um, then we got no chance against anyone. So uh, yeah, I would have gone with an even weaker squad to be honest with you. But that said um we had enough we did rest a few players and we and we and we had enough to get over the line so um yeah you know i wanted derby to go down so you know the the fact we were able to rest a few and still um put them in, in in jeopardy for the final day was uh was doubly pleasing
0: i think even some derby fans wanted them to go down they've been so bad and so miserable this season honestly um and, and it did look, actually, like they were going to stay up uh, at one point. Um, you know, they took the lead from across. But um, the Swans, to the credit, did, did come back and score two quick-fire goals. Um, you know, can, can we read much into that, that they, came, that they had the kind of character to come back? Or do we have to put the massive asterisk next to it because it was against Derby, who, as we have seen for the last God knows how, how long, are absolutely abysmal.
2: They are. They are really poor. And even I watched the final day game again, again against their game against Sheffield Wednesday, but um, they were so poor in that game as well. And and, and against us. But I, I, I want to say that it's exactly the sort of game that we would normally drop points in. You know, you look at it and you go, oh, they've lost the last six on a bounce and we've won three on a bounce. Well, you know Swansea City will find a way and contrive to, to lose it. So that we came back in the manner that we did was really pleasing because... Um it was an early goal in the second half uh which which is a bit of a sucker punch um really disappointing goal to concede and um and to to come back you were just thinking oh you know maybe we haven't got the uh we're lacking a bit of fizz, a little bit of uh you know uh, movement and and options to to try and grab that equalizer and uh whilst um Whitaker's replacement was being readied on the sideline. He's uh, he's popped up with equaliser with um, you know goal line technology helping us out. Even though it was fine margins, but they all count. So um, you know he'll be delighted, uh, especially against his former employers. Um, and uh, yeah, so you know we we went from 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 that to uh, to to the sublime then with the. With the um, goal by Conor Roberts, which uh, was superbly laid on by Matt Grimes with like a forty-yard cross-field pass assist, and the first-time volley, it was just <laughs> just an absolutely delightful goal. So, um, a double sucker punch for Derby there, and uh, and 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 truth, they, they never really recovered from that.
0: Steve, one brilliant thing about uh, the Swans' comeback was that uh, the goal scorer for the first goal was Morgan Whitaker. Uh, and he didn't hold back in his celebrations, uh, even though it was against his uh, former side. I think I speak for every single football fan when I say, more of this, please.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the whole thing of um, players not celebrating goals is against former teams. Like it is a little bit too far. Like there's there's obviously an exception. Like I remember Lampard once scored against Chelsea for Man City, and you're thinking, okay, that that's sort of fair enough because he's a club legend, but. Like, I remember things like John Joe Shelby once not celebrating it against Liverpool, and I'm thinking to myself, they didn't give you a chance, so why are you like, almost putting your hands up to apologise over a goal? You know, it's... Uh, you know, it's fair enough if you don't go like absolutely berserk, but at the same time, you shouldn't be toning it down. I mean, you just scored a goal, didn't you? It's just, it seems like everyone's so scared of offending anybody anymore, and um, yeah, I thought it was fair enough from Whittaker, and I think when we signed him, remember their fans weren't exactly complimentary about him, so maybe that was... Uh, party behind his thinking as well. you just thought, Oh, well, have that
2: then. And uh, I, you know. I'm all for more of the uh Emmanuel Adebayo celebrations, ghetto, you <laughs> know, full <Yeah>. length uh, <laughs> <that> <laughs> was... all across the pitch. <laughs> it's been more difficult when there's no fans in the stadium, but, but in
0: <laughs> fairness, like if you know, without fans in the stadium, Morgan Whitaker's was about as close to an Adebayo as you can get, really.
2: <laughs>
0: um, that's uh, apart from what was his, it was a Kevin Ellison. Who scored for um, oh, yeah. for Newport?
2: He New- went up to, to to uh, the went up to manager, didn't
1: he? Yeah, yeah, and uh, kind of shouted in his face. Um,
2: well, yeah, it that's could be the
1: fair there because they're both in the playoffs and they're not playing each other in the first leg, so it could be the final.
0: Can you imagine? I don't see Newport County making the final personally, but um, I mean, wow, that would be that would be tense. That you, you could see a lot being written about that in the build-up. Um, but yeah, I mean. Matt, uh, we we did get the win against Derby and I think it's fair to say it it was it's not it's it's pretty good that we got that win because our form otherwise over the past few weeks has been really ropey and it's it's just given us those that boost of a, of a W in the run up to the playoffs, hasn't it?
2: It has. It has, yeah. And it did like you say, it did leave us with something to play for. You know, it left the door open for um, you know results elsewhere pending for for an opportunity for to, to snatch both. Um And I think you know if that is on the table, then you've got to look at it and think, well, you know, this statistical advantage to doing that. You know, you want to have, albeit with reduced numbers in normal times, to play in front of a full house when that is the final day of the playoff semis, where you can push it to extra time, you get the extra minutes that you wouldn't get in the first leg, etc. And all that and all the psychological advantage to come with it. There's still going to be some psychological advantage to having the home leg second. And um, and, and and so it gave us that opportunity. Um, and, and as we'll discuss, you know, it, it's something that we managed to, we managed to get over the line in the end. But um, it's good for confidence. There's a few fringe players that got game time over the last couple of games, uh, which will help them and maybe Maybe have a question mark over their use over the playoffs now for for Cooper, um, and that will allow, in turn allow some of those mainstays then to not be run into the ground again, and uh, and and perhaps give themselves an opportunity that if we do have an opportunity to sub one or two of them off with an hour gone and prepare for what's to come, then then Brill. But um, no, absolutely, I'm I'm just I'm just happy that we we're, we're not going in there completely uh dead in the void of hope
0: yeah cuz i i don't know how you know how much of a part that played last season but uh, i think when you look back to last season's playoffs we had a number of injuries plus a suspension to Kyle Norton so even though we had that adrenaline from beating reading 4-1 um it was a, a depleted squad that took on brentford and we didn't really give ourselves the best chance of um, of getting to wembley last season i think it's fair to say so um, definitely the focus over the last few games has been on kind of not picking up injuries and um, the final game of the season um, a total dead rubber really uh, Swans knew pretty much where we would be in the table uh, we were playing against a Watford team that had already uh, uh, secured promotion um, I mean Steve I know you didn't watch the match um, but are you in any way concerned by the fact that we lost 2-0 to a team that the field basically their second string um, against
1: us? Uh, it's, it's a nothing game, really, so I can't say I'm overly concerned. Uh, if I'd watched it, I might have a different story. It could be a case of ignorance is bliss. I always remember um, the year that we went to Man United and won on the opening day, I missed the Villarreal game that was meant to have been terrible, and then everyone said that we had no chance going to Old Trafford, and I was actually quietly confident we could uh, get something, and obviously we ended up winning, so that, that it may have just been ignorance on that occasion, but yeah, I'm I'm not overly concerned. I mean, I think once you're in the playoffs, the results and performances might may change slightly. You just don't know, do especially when you make changes and stuff. So, you know, I think um, you know we'll see what happens uh, on Monday night. Really, I uh, I can't say I'm uh, I've lost any sleep over it. Um, we
2: are owing just to just to add to that um, what you were just saying, Gitta. We are owing uh, uh surprise defeat at home to Stoke. Um, on the final day because um, had they won that game and got the three points they'd have uh, leapfrogged us into fourth which would have of course then meant that we'd have had them um, away second leg as well by the looks of things Like Stoker
0: just doing us favors Stoker <laughs> <things>. <laughs> Stoker just, Stoke like Stoke just such a fine football club they really <laughs> are just,
2: just Shake good that back. people <laughs>
0: Just, just good people, I will not hear any bad words said against Stoke City, a <laughs> fine establishment
2: and and they're, and they're releasing Sam Klukas on a free transfer, so you know, go and get him <laughs> no,
0: no, we don't even joke <laughs> oh, have I, have I gone no, too far?
2: I've
0: we do far, not even okay. joke about that <laughs> no, no, we don't, we do not need to repeat that mistake, um, even if we don't splash 20 million on him this time, like we did last time still getting nightmares about that um I mean, Matt, you you, you saw bits of the game. Uh, I think you're a bit like me, really, half watching the the Swans game, half watching um, the much more significant um, Derby versus uh, Wednesday match. I mean, what, what were your takeaways from that match?
2: Uh, from from which one? From the Swans game. <laughs> from the Swans game. Yeah, if any. <laughs> I mean, like I saw the I saw about 20 25 minutes um, like <laughs> constant of it. So I'm not gonna profess to have the uh, to have the inside scoop on it. But I have seen like all the chances created and uh, extended highlights and whatnot. It looked like we created enough, and it you know we had um, some some bright movements and some bright chances. Uh, Liam Cullen again impressed from what I saw. Uh, you know, he came very close um with, with at least one opportunity and um, you know, maybe should have done a bit better with it, but uh he, you know, he looks like a a natural striker. He looks like someone who plays up there and he, he's only interested in scoring goals. So, you know, that's something we need to obviously rectify next season, um in, in our personnel to, to actually have a recognized striker on the books and uh and and let's hope that uh you know, whatever division we're in, he gets game time. Um because uh you know he looks a prospect. Um and and, and others as well. Others made, you know, you know, good chances and uh Ayu had one uh, I think it was um yeah, late in or mid 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 through the first half. Uh Grimes fired one which keep us turned behind. So uh, I don't think we were run into the ground by Watford and um you know whether you have question marks over the goals that Watford scored or not um it did turn out because courtesy of Bournemouth's result that uh, it turned out not to matter anyway so uh it's from what i've read uh it it sounded a lot like we put in a a decent performance and a promising performance and something that people are happy to take into the playoffs so so that's good news
0: yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that, if I'm being honest. I thought um, the Swans looked refreshed. I thought they looked fitter than they have done. Uh, I think it, it seems to have made a difference that we haven't had that kind of congested um, fixture list, which we've had all season. And hopefully that's going to make a difference going into the playoffs too, because you know, just having that little week to prepare, both tactically and in terms of rest and fitness, etc., um, could make a, a significant difference um, in this type of match but I you know they, it wasn't perfect by any means against Watford we weren't um, that clinical in the final third and they were we were a little bit open at the back um, but but we also played some decent football passed a, passed the ball around quite sharply um, the accuracy of the passing definitely seemed much better than than it has been for most of the season um, we created some chances um yeah, and I, I thought we were decent on the whole. And, and Watford won with, with two goals of, of high quality. The first one, you know, a brilliant cross into the box, which Andre Gray couldn't really miss. And then a, a fantastic strike from Isaac Success um, to, to seal it. Um, you know, obviously, ideally, we wouldn't have lost that match. But I do think it was kind of preparation for the playoffs, really, and a chance to just get a fitness ready. Just. Uh, so, yeah, get get into the right um, uh, in, into the right mood basically ahead of the playoffs, and I think as preparation for that match goes, um, it it wasn't too bad really. So I'm not too concerned that we lost it. And actually, there were some positive signs there. Um, just before we go on to talk about the playoffs, let's um, look back at kind of the championship season as a whole because it's been such a strange season, not just for the Swans obviously, but for everyone. Um, no fans in the stadiums. Um, the, the the season's been a month shorter uh, than usual and that's meant that it, we've, we've been bombarded with football really I, I mean how do you think that's affected the, the quality of the league Steve and kind of the, the product then of, of the Championship this season
1: I don't think it's been great if I'm honest but I get, that's not a huge surprise really given what you've said is it I mean it's been a month uh, less this season. I mean, it's 46 games. I mean, the amount of midweeks we've had is absolutely staggering. I mean, you're talking probably closer to 20 than 10. And it's, it's unbelievable, really, isn't it? And even when, you know, we've had um, international breaks, we've had players that have been called up tonight. I mean, the likes of Conor Roberts in the space of, you know, nine months have played over 50 games. It's it's an incredible amount. And you think the other big thing with, obviously, the pandemic would be, you know, the hassle of the travelling. I mean, it's, it's always difficult for us anyway, but we wonder if there may have been somewhere, I don't know, we played Stoke on a midweek, for example, sometimes we may have considered staying overnight. But, I mean, the country was in lockdown, could we even stay overnight and that type of thing? It, it must just have been very difficult for for everybody. And I think the whole, you know, because of the finances involved with a lot of clubs and, you know, the, I think last year's relegated teams didn't lose maybe the players they would have done normally. Uh, the promoted teams that have come into this division, they, they would not have had much of a budget to try and close that gap. I mean, it, I don't think it's a massive surprise then when you look and see that the top two have been clubs that were relegated last year and the other one is in the playoffs. And two of the clubs that have gone down from this division um, were promoted last season. And I think the other one were finished just outside the uh, the bottom three. So it's it's been a tough uh, season, I think, for... For everybody, and um, you know, I think it's, it probably hasn't really been a vintage year, which isn't a, a great shock. But um, at the same time, you know, I think football has probably kept a lot of people going, doing what has been, you know, a pretty miserable time for for most people. So it's it's been good in that sense. But um, you know, I think everybody will be praying that come August, we're all back in the stadium because I think uh, you know we all miss it, don't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and Matt, uh, funnily enough, before um, recording this pod, I was listening to uh, the Not the Top Twenty podcast, which is a really good um, football league podcast. And they were uh, one of the one of the presenters there was kind of saying that how they're saying that the league table doesn't lie after 46 games and basically saying that that's a stupid thing to say. Of course, the league table can lie and, you know, luck and, you know, um, injuries and, and you know, just weird runs of form, etc. And refereeing decisions uh, could have all sorts of influence on a game. Do you think that the table generally where it matters in the teams that have gone up and gone down, do you think it's, that do you think the table is a fair reflection of, of of the best and worst teams in this division?
2: I think in general, you have to say so. I mean, I don't think there's there's going to be many that will argue with the teams that are up there and the teams that have gone down. Um, will You know, Sheffield Wednesday have got their own grievance, which we know about with a points deduction. But um, that in itself probably isn't their main grievance. It's the fact that with the Super League nonsense and the fact that the, the big six avoided a points deduction feels massively hypocritical from the from the governing bodies in the sport. So, And I completely understand and, and sympathise with that viewpoint because I agree with it. Um, but um, yeah, their owner's got a lot to answer for there. Um, They've got question marks over, over Derby's uh, behaviour and stuff with the EFL of just recently won an appeal now so so Derby will face a punishment it looks likely that it will come into effect next season which may see them in a Sheffield Wednesday type situation now in 12 months time but um, but who knows um, but yeah on on the balance of it there are teams that perhaps um, where what they gave in heart and desire they perhaps lacked in a little bit of quality and I you know I'm looking at the likes of of, of of Rotherham and Wickham there who who maybe just didn't quite have enough in, in the bank to get over the line. Um but they they you know they always seemed to to, to give their all uh whenever I saw them and, and and they were a credit to the division. But um you know I mean I I had this conversation with my dad the other day that um I think we've been uh, maybe we maybe it's just a case that I'm looking at it you know, one-eyed being that I'm looking at it from a Swans fans perspective, but I think we're lucky to finish fourth. But then maybe because of the pandemic, I'm, I'm still trying to measure us against the normal season when everyone real in reality this season has struggled to cope with the fixture pile up. Um, we did, as we talked earlier on in the year about um, our fair share of luck, which of course we, you know, is, is, is well documented with, you know, with uh, uh, last minute blocks and, you uh, penalties going our way etc um yeah you know that seems to have run out now so i don't think over the course of the season you could say we've been extremely lucky over 46 games but um you know so so i can't really argue with how it how it looks i don't think there's any standout ones there that you would go well they've really been screwed over this season so no, I, I kind of go along with the, with the idea that um, it looks fairly safe to, to say this division is uh, settled down as it perhaps should have.
0: Steve, over the course of the season, we've kind of discussed sometimes whether the Swans position is a fair representation of performances, etc. And um, sometimes we've said, OK, we, we don't really look like a team challenging for automatic promotion. Now that we've had actually finished fourth, do you think that's that's fair?
1: Is it, it? Does it flatter us in any way? I think it probably does. If I'm being honest, I I I don't think we've played well in a lot of games. I think there's, like I said, there's been a few instances of where we've had a little bit of luck. We've we've been good at sort of scoring from our first opportunity of a game or against the run of play, and that has sort of changed you know the reality of the game, which. You know, in all fairness, we've been very, very good at that, but I, I do think it's happened quite a, more times than what it probably should have done. I mean, there's been a lot of games where we haven't created a lot. I mean, give you the best example. I mean, Brentford at home, they're absolutely bad. I said we only had two shots, and we've ended up with a one all I mean, surely nobody's watched that and thought to, myself, to themselves that we, we're anything other than jammy. I mean, uh, now you've said this, I've decided to get the, the final XG table up of the season just out sort of interest, and... Um, it says that the Swans should be 13th. Now, I'm not sure if we should be that low, but I probably think we maybe should be in between about 7th and 10th. If I'm uh, being honest, I, I'm i not convinced uh, by us entirely. But, you know, the, the league table says that we're in there and we're in the playoffs. But I, I don't think we're we're a great side uh, by any means. But we have done very well to, to get to the position that we are in in the table.
2: I will say, um, just sorry to jump in there, Ghetto. Um, to anyone who didn't listen to our podcast like five or six weeks ago, we did have quite a, a discussion on um, the expected goals table, didn't we? And um, I think we came to a, quite a neat conclusion there that it is, you can't, you have to take it at face value and not, and not read too much into it. Because as Steve very rightly pointed out there, we've made a habit over the course of the season of scoring from one of our first chances and then trusting our defence to to keep a clean sheet. And for a long, large part of the season, that was successful for us. And as a result, what that meant was we were getting expected goals of, well, just the one. And the opposition, where we were blocking shots left, right and centre, and Woodman was saving and he was saving penalties, etc. and whatnot, opposition looked like they should have scored more goals than they did. Partly due to a bit of luck, which we talked about, partly due to our strong defence. Which you know we know Woodman's won the Golden Glove now, so that in some way goes to you know validate that that argument. But expected goals will just look at over the course of 90 minutes. It won't look at tactics. It won't look like the, at the theme of the game or or the or the or the result. It'll just look at how many goals you expected to score. And, and that's that's why we look like we should have been thirteenth. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't or should have been there, but it's just got you've got to really look at expected goals table with a bit of uh, a cynical eye, if, if that's fair.
0: From from my point of view, I, am, I you know we've spoken during the season about how Swan's game results, which you know don't really reflect performances, etc. But when I look at the teams just outside the playoffs, I'm I'm there isn't one there that i'm thinking yeah do you know what they they deserve to finish in the top six ahead of, mm. of the teams that are there i'm so you know I, I don't think the swans have been what your typical playoff qualifiers i don't think we've we've looked like um uh, you know the teams that the kind of team that you would expect to finish in the playoffs um but when you look at the rest of the league and what what they had to offer i don't think they've actually been you know, better than us in, in any way, shape or form. I mean, Reading, in many ways similar to us, had a really good start to the season, fell away even more dramatically than we did. Cardiff, we know, were awful for most of the season and then, you know, put together a good run to to finish eighth. QPR, kind of similar. Middlesbrough have been... Pretty medium throughout the season, you know. It, they, there's a lot. There are a lot of teams there who've done okay in patches, but have not had anything like a kind of consistent run of of performances and and, and results. And you know, I th- I think it would be wrong for anybody to suggest that that the Swans don't deserve their place in the in the playoffs based on the standards of you know the rest of the division. I, th- it's I think actually,
2: league, it's yeah, been a poor league, Gitto. It's been a poor division this year. I think. I don't think, as I was saying earlier on, that we don't think anyone there is surprising that you would say, well, we don't deserve to be there. OK, who would you put in our place then? And, and I think that shows quite how poor the division's been. That I can't, and, and neither can you, pick out anyone who we should be swapping places with. So, I mean, just goes to show, really, um, quite, that you know, how, how poor it's been. And, and, and that is obviously largely down to the, the, the pandemic.
1: Yeah, the big underachievers according to XG, uh are Blackburn, who finished fifteenth. They should be fourth, is what that but, says. But they can't defend to save their lives. No, yeah. that that obviously is why they're they're not in there because obviously they yeah. goals score And, and being, clearly, uh, even though they've got they.
2: Adam Armstrong, they're not scoring as as many as they should be, even though they they, they didn't have a problem scoring. I don't think they, they scored cause the expected goals is saying, Well, they should have scored even more than the opposition to end up that high. So it's um, yeah. The, the again, other
1: surprise is a uh, Rotherham should be ninth according to that.
2: But again, the finishing is
0: appalling. Yeah, mm. That's like, what let them
1: down. I mean, if you saw like, them against Cardiff the other day, they 100 percent should have won that game, I, and they obviously completely blew it, didn't they?
0: I've seen so many people come up and say, like over the last few weeks, oh Rotherham, they they shouldn't even be in this relegation fight. You know, they're no. so they're so good, and you're like, no, no, like one of the key factors of football is you have to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. And there is an actual skill to keeping you cool in front of goal and and making sure that ball hits the back of the net, which is something actually we've been quite good at. Um, And and when you go so many games being wasteful as Rotherham have, you have to just come to the conclusion, no, you you're just not good enough in that department. And and you know in the championship, I think we've said it before there's between for for most of the teams in this division there's very little really dividing them quality-wise and it is just those teams who are able to find those moments of quality in front of goal that that do best in this division and i think there are a lot of teams there who've been quite similar types of performances throughout the season but they just haven't had those moments of quality at either end of 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 the pitch to 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 squeeze out the results and i think there is actually a skill to that um it it's sometimes down to lack as we've proved this season there's no doubt about that but but there is also a skill to just being able to find a way of winning and find a way of getting those points and I think a lot of the teams in the division just haven't been good enough at that that's that's my opinion
2: um we run the um, the table situation as well if we cast our minds back a few months now to when um Neil Harris got uh, sacked at Cardiff and replaced by uh Slick Mick, Steve. Um, it, we, I remember the podcast we did that night, and we all <laughs> joked and laughed and agreed that the best scenario would be for Cardiff to pick an upturn in form, win a load of games, look like they're the real deal, give Mick McCarthy the big contract so it hampers them for the next three years, and then they fall away. And it's almost as if we predicted the whole thing, guys. <laughs> it genuinely is. Like, I, I'll it be honest...
0: I'll be honest. For a few games, I was like a little bit concerned, thinking, "Oh my gosh, is Mick McCarthy actually like going to fit in at Cardiff and going to turn them into a force?" Um, but then, of course, no. It's it's the most predictable thing in football. They um, they of course tailed away just after he was uh, given the security of a, uh, of a longer term contract. And um, let's be honest, they've they've done well to finish eighth the way they've played this season. But um, uh, I'm not overly concerned about them as things stand looking ahead to the future. Um, Looking a bit further ahead to the future, uh, we've got, of course, a playoff to look forward to. Barnsley got a draw against uh, Norwich in the final day and uh, Bournemouth lost uh, their final match of the season, meaning that Barnsley did finish fifth, uh, securing a playoff uh, match against the Mighty Swans. Um, before we get into talk about the match itself, um, one announcement which uh, which took place a little bit earlier today as we are recording is the fact that there will be fans in both matches. We knew uh, beforehand that the uh, Westminster government had uh, uh, given clubs in England the, ch- uh, the uh, opportunity to have limited crowds at their matches. But now uh, the Welsh government has done the same thing here in Wales and uh, there will be a limited crowd at the liberty around about 3000 uh, we're led to believe so Swansea fans are going to get a rough idea of what it's like to be a cardiff fan in a in a cup match uh, <laughs>
2: in this, every other year
0: <laughs> when this match comes out i think i think it's set to be the lowest ever uh, attendance for a um, for a, for, a, for a swans match at, 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 in the liberty if i
1: if I, yeah, is, I think the lowest is about 5000
0: yeah, so I don't. I think this will be the lowest ever attendance for a um, for a Swans match at the Liberty, which which seems strange considering it's a playoff. But uh, it's a it's a big improvement on uh, uh, on on the zero that we've had for the for the rest of the season.
2: Uh, interesting um, to know if we've ever in any division had a lower attendance for a playoff game. Shouldn't imagine we have. The Swans uh, have. I mean, yeah, the I, Swans. Even in our Division Three days, if we've ever had a, a lower, but I very much doubt. Even in the best, nah, there's no chance.
1: the game in the playoffs was full, wasn't it? Mm. I know the, the lowest ever Swans crowd is about 1,300, I think. So we've had quite a few that are lower than this. But um, yeah, if it's a playoff game, isn't it? There's no chance it'll be a, a lower one.
0: I think it it was around about the 70s, the early 70s, that we had our lowest um, average attendance for a season. I think that was um, like the low 2,000, something like that, which is like staggering how, you know, how low attendances were back in the day.
1: I Um, I think during the pet era, there was one game that had 2,000 and it wasn't 2,100, if you know what I mean. Like it was that low. I think it was a Tuesday night game. And like, obviously we must've been playing someone from, maybe from up north or something, and they wouldn't have brought many either, but, and a lot of people didn't want to give Petty any money, so they didn't go. But yeah, two thousand and that was for a league game. It's uh it's pretty staggering really.
0: Yeah. It, it makes you realise how much the club has grown, but um but obviously these days that stands out as an extremely low um, you know, attendance for, for any match, let alone a playoff match. So I mean, Matt, are you gonna be um queuing up to well well, throwing your name in the hat then to try and get a ticket?
2: No. No, and uh, twofold. <laughs> First one is logistically, I don't have a season ticket for this season. So, I mean, I'm not going to get one anyway. Um, the, the second one is more, um, is more that I'm not really sure I would enjoy it more than watching it in a pub because it's three, so I get the clamor for the tickets getting back into the stands and the stadiums. I want as much as anyone, but I want us to go back to a normality where you can fill the stand, get an atmosphere going. You know, laugh with your mates. You know, really feel the the. the we we talked on a pod a while back, Domino about um the match day experience mm. and how much, how much, so much more than the ninety minutes. I'm just not having that back. I'm all for you know the the baby steps that need to be taken to get there, but this standing a couple of meters apart from the closest person. Um only three thousand in the stand, there's not gonna be an you know, atmosphere, is there? There's gonna be quite a lonely experience, I should imagine. Not to really found feel like I'm putting a downer on the thing. Um I'm all for the everyone who wants to go and I hope that anyone who's desperate to go and has, you know, the season to go whatever gets the opportunity to do so. Um but um, for myself, um just not really overly excited by it. That makes me a bad Swans fan, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: so joa you know it's it's weird because I think a lot of fans will feel kind of the same in this this sense that uh, i for, for me personally, I thought I'd be really excited for this moment, but I know that it's here I'm thinking, yeah I'll take take it or leave it really if if there, if there are others who who you know want to go ahead and take it then I'm actually happy to say yeah you 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 go and take it i'd you know I'd love to watch live football again. I'd love to be back at the liberty again but there is a feeling that it's going to be quite sterile and it's not as appealing as I thought it would be. Um, I mean, my my mum called me earlier and asked, like, oh, are you excited then? Are you excited about, uh, you know, do you think you, you may be able to get a ticket? And I was like, yeah, I'll probably apply for a ticket, but I'll be honest. Like, I, I can't pretend that I'm sort of over the moon about this and really desperate to get my hands on a ticket, which which seems bizarre because it's a playoff match. After more than a year without seeing any kind of live football, I should be absolutely desperate for this match. But for some reason, and I can't quite put my put my finger on why, um, I wouldn't be too disappointed if if I missed out on this ticket and I had to watch it from home. Um,
2: so if, if I if I if I make it though, um, imagine we score. That's the problem. I first thought is when we score. If you're watching it at home with family, or you're watching it in the pub, you know. With 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 a with a bubble of friends or whatever, um, and you're gonna go ballistic. You're gonna be jumping around for joy and whatnot and really excited. If you're standing with a two meter distance all around you on your own, is it quite gonna match even that? You know, is it gonna I'm, match how you would feel at home?
0: I'm still gonna be on the pitch. I'll be honest. I'm still a <laughs> one man pitch invasion. Uh, no, it's, but I get what you mean. But I mean it's it's hard to say cuz none of us have been in, in that kind of situation before none of us have been in this kind of match but uh, i mean we've all been i think in away games which you know you, you kind of stand sitting 3 meters away from the nearest person to you um, so you know you know what you know where to you have a rough idea of what what it's like um, you know if if this one score i i'm still going to be celebrating like mad i'm still going to be losing my head i'm still going to be um kind of shouting, who are you, who are you, to an invisible away end, you know, um, it's I, I'm, I'm still going to be reacting like that. If any kind of steward tells me, you know, you have to sit down and, you know, behave yourself, then I'll give them the same reaction I would in any other situation like it's that. No, you
2: know? It's no more ridiculous than when I scream at the TV on a Saturday afternoon, no. mate, as if anyone can hear me then either.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And while we're on the subject that, like, I was... Um, I, I kind of got a realisation of the weekend, like every single Swans match pretty much over the past year, I've still put on my Swans top for <laughs> that morning to watch the football, like the same routine. And it kind of dawned on me more than a year afterwards. This is like the sign of some kind of issues. Like are, we this.
2: Talking, are we talking socks and shorts? As well? Not quite. No, no. It is. No, we're just not going top. proper full kit wanker job. We're just going the the, the swans top away. So, swans top.
0: Same, basically dressing the same way as I would if I was going to the match on that day. So like just jeans and swans top. Um, but it it struck me. This is a, this is just a little bit kind of. <laughs> If if you were to say that there was some kind of religious cult where they all dress up um, in in the yeah. kind of in the in the uniform of, of their deity on the on a certain day each week, you'd say that that's some weird shit right there. And that's you know the, those people need need professional help. Um, and it kind of dawned honest, on me this week. Most that of I, the time, I, I
2: Gito, Sorry, sorry mate. I'm most of the time. I'm lucky if I got more than my boxers on to watch the Swans this season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly not putting jeans on in my living room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that makes me feel
2: better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two ends of the same scale, I think, mate. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I mean Steve. What? One question: Are you going to be wearing jeans for the playoff uh, semi-final, and are you going to be in the Liberty for
1: it? Uh, jeans, probably. Um, although it might depend on how uh, warm it is on that night. Uh, will I be at the Liberty? I don't think so. Um, again, it's the same thing. I mean. The whole thing of football is a lot of it atmosphere and goal celebrations and they're not going to be very good in a socially distanced uh, stadium. I mean, I was hoping for something more along the lines of the League Cup final where you had like a limited crowd, but everyone was quite close together and um, you had to take a test beforehand. As long as you were negative, you could go in. And then, like I say, you were bunched in together and I mean you could have a decent atmosphere. Now, I, I don't intend on on going and being able to sit one and a half metres from all my mates and everyone else being the same. I mean, that's not my idea of a good time. I would much rather go to the pub, and as ludicrous as it sounds, where for some reason there, you, are, you probably will be allowed to have a table of four, all sit together, uh, but you can't at an outdoor football match. So, yeah, I, I honestly think, it's a funny one. I think a lot of people will want to go, but I really don't think it's going to be all this cracked up to be. So, I think it's the pub for me. Um, I'm not convinced I'm going to regret that decision either. So, um you know, bring on when uh, we can have normal crowds without. Distancing. Have they
2: made? Have they made a decision on the final? Um, what would that would be like?
1: So I, I'm I'm assuming the final should be something similar to the FA Cup final, where you know mm. it should be a quarter full and you get about ten thousand each. Now, if they do that, and um, like I say, you can go a bit closer in together, then I think that would be a lot more appealing. But you know, um, there, there isn't a the final decision on that. But the fact is, if they can have other stuff at Wembley with those type of crowds, then why can't they for a playoff final? It would be crazy yeah. if they don't.
0: I, th- I think the the difference why they haven't done a similar kind of plan for the Liberty is just purely down to the fact that, that Wales hasn't had any kind of test events before this. Um, obviously, Wembley didn't start with, you know, the, the, the setup they had for the League Cup match. They had done tests beforehand where they had similar. Kind of set up to, to what will be in place at the Liberty, but when obviously when England um, partially opened up before what was it before Christmas, um, just when COVID was spreading through the through the entire country again, um, obviously the Welsh government didn't feel that was sensible. Which, let's face it, was was probably the right decision. Um, and um, obviously, so they haven't held those test, test events, but obviously Wembley had been tested out. So this we, we are just taking those baby steps, whereas I guess um, in England, they're slightly ahead of us on on that kind of road back to normality when, when it comes to sport. Um, so that's why I imagine it is. But I mean, it, it's so strange the three of us who've been going to Water Swans for God knows how many years, um, you know, aren't totally ecstatic about this and it's it's weird it's not the re- the response that I expected but but all of us feel kind of the same about this hopefully those who do get a ticket um, you know go there with um, you know with all the excitement in the world I'm sure if I get a ticket then I will be you know, really excited on the day um, and really pumped up, etc. And hopefully, despite the weird setup, um, the fans who go there will be able to create a bit of an atmosphere and and really get behind the team. Um, So, on that note, we can finally get on to speak about the football itself and what is sure to be an absolutely massive game. Um, First of all, Matt, let's start with you. I'll be honest, of all the teams in the playoffs... I am glad that it's Barnsley that we're playing in the semi-final and not Bournemouth or Brentford. Do you share that opinion?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think if you're looking at the, the the four teams that are in there and the three that we could face, I think I think it would be a widely shared opinion. And that's no disrespect to Barnsley, but I just think Bournemouth and Brentford, you know, they, they have a number of sorts. We know, um, you know, Brentford have outplayed us every time we've played them over the last, you know, six or seven times, you know, it's been quite um, you know, they're, they're quite a fierce outfit. Uh, you know, and 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 last season they 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 went right to the final and and no one's betting against them doing the same again. They they got a man up up top who's scored up, you know, past thirty goals a season now, um this year and um they they're a constant threat on the attack. Um so Want to avoid them. Bournemouth, just miserable. (laughs) Just absolutely miserable against. So um, I think the key is, obviously, with the semi-finals, you've got to play them twice. So you've got to really come on top twice. And and I don't fancy us doing that against Brentford or Bournemouth. Barnsley, I think maybe we could. And then if we did get to a final then, then that would mean that we just have to do it once in a freak 90 minutes, jammiest game of your life sort of format we could get over the line. But I, I can't imagine us repeating that over over two games against the other two. But um Barnsley are a good team and I'm I'm a bit worried Ghetto to be honest with you because this time last year or round about this time last year, I was a massive fan of Brentford. I was like really like loving Brentford and, and everything that they stood for was, you know, you know buying low, selling high and and, and really coming into their owners uh a, a, a force to be reckoned with, playing delightful football, and then it all went dreadfully sour around about playoff time. <laughs> and i certain manager started
0: opening its mouth.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and no, but I'm, I'm worried that I'm, I'm kind of like I like B- Barnsley. <laughs> I'm worried that's going to go, that's going to go the same way that we got them in the semis. But um, but no, it's uh, it's for me, it's the one out of the out of the three options that I think. I think more more Swans fans than not would have would have preferred to come up against. So and, and we've got the second leg at home. Whatever advantage there is to be gained with these small crowds, it's at home for us so you know what every little thing can can help you get there.
0: Steve, we've um, we've done the double of bouncy this season, 2-0 on both occasions, um both on some of the worst pitches known to man. Um will that have any kind of bearing when it comes to the playoffs, do you think?
1: Um, it it's hard to say, and I mean, it, I think from a, a fans' point of view, it probably means we're a little bit more confident than than maybe we we would be otherwise. But I mean, I think when we played Barnsley, I mean, they were probably just starting to to go on that bit of a run, there weren't they? So they're probably a bit of a different animal uh, at the moment. So you know, it's it's who honestly knows how it's going to pan out. I mean, I, I echo the thoughts that I would rather play them over two legs than the others, but. Let's be honest about it. They're 100 thinking the exact same thing. They, they'll be quite pleased that they're playing us and not Brentford and Bournemouth. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm I'm fairly relaxed. I, I don't think there's a great deal of pressure on us. I mean, I know arguably this is going to be our, our best chance maybe for a while to get back into the Premier. We said that last year, but obviously the parachutes have run out completely this time, do not they? So, you know, it it is a golden chance in in that sense. But I, I really don't see us as as favourites particularly, we, we might be favourites to overcome Barnsley, but if we get to the final, we won't be the favourites. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes, really.
0: Matt, do you think Steve Cooper will want the Swans to be favourites? Because I saw a tweet from Barnsley um, earlier this week saying, kind of, oh, we underdogs, we enjoy being that way. But as a lot of Swansea fans pointed out, all the pundits almost think Barnsley uh, are favourites for for the match. Uh, the bookies think that they're the favourites to reach Wembley. Um, you know, will do you think Steve Cooper will be happy that people are underestimating the Swans, or will he, You know, will, will will we want to have that little bit more confidence going into the match, perhaps?
2: It's mind games already, isn't it? I mean that that's something that uh, it, it comes right in these high pressure, high stake games. But um, no, I think what is said publicly and what is said privately are going to be two very different things. So you know, Barnsley can bleep out in the media about you know, you know, we're underdogs. We 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 going into this, you know, Swansea favourites. They got X, Y, and Z and that. And and I get it because you want to take the pressure off the players, but behind closed doors, you're not going to have their manager telling them, you know what, <laughs> you're underdogs. If you lose, you lose. He's going to get them fired up. He's going to let them believe that they are better than us. So. Um, I don't think for one second it's anything more than the mind games in that respect from the pundit's perspective, I think, yeah, i you know, I think perhaps it will favor us a little bit because um because we'll have no pressure um from from no external pressure at least. I should imagine we'll still be putting pressure on ourselves internally to get to the final, but um. But it, you know it's always hard when the when the media expect so much of you and uh, you're unable to produce. So if they think that we're just gonna rock up and roll over, then then hopefully we can prove a couple of people wrong.
0: Matt, do you think do you think Barnsley deserve the the favourites tag? Do you think they are actually the, the well that that they are rightfully favourites for this game, or or do you think actually we as the team who've beaten them twice already this season, finished above them in the league? Um, being above them throughout throughout the season, do you th- do you do you think the bookies have got it wrong?
2: It's a bit of a it's a bit of an odd one to be honest, for all the reasons you just said. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put Barnsley as favourite. Certainly, form this season would suggest not. You know, we ultimately we finished above them. Uh, we have beaten them twice already, and uh, you know, and, and and so that in itself should be enough. But at the same time, I think people love to 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 build up the. Uh, what what I would say is Barnsley would be in the underdog because Barnsley should never be where they are. That's that's not criticising them, but they have massively, for me, overachieved, and that's great credit to their manager and and their players and what they've done this season. Um, and 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 more power to them. But for me, that you know, that makes them an underdog story, not a, not not a favourite story. But maybe maybe they're looking at the rise of Barnsley and hoping, like last year, where everyone was harping on about Brentford left, right and centre maybe that's a similar sort of thing here with, with Barnsley, that they're just really thinking now it's Barnsley's time to stun the world and, and, and go into the Premier League who knows, but, um, but I think they've done fantastic to be where they are, um, I still feel like that in itself is an underdog story, so yeah, it, it's a bit peculiar for me
0: And, well, Steve, let's face it, Barnsley are a good team. They are in the playoffs on merit, um, you know, and considering the fact that they only narrowly avoided relegation last season, albeit, you know, on on a run of form which would have suggested that they would, you know, avoid relegation this time around. I mean, they they started the season really poorly results-wise, but they just, you know, put together an incredible run and, and the kind of run that would give fans um confidence going into the playoffs uh, wouldn't it and perhaps that's not what we've had from the swans um I, I mean barnsley you know their second half of the season has been quite strong even though they've had a slight dip lately the swans it's it's been much more indifferent hasn't it
1: yeah i think so that, that's why i i do think they do have an edge at, at this moment really it is based on form i mean they their run started didn't it um mainly in the second half of the season. They didn't start the season very well at all. I mean, they were looking like they could go down, they, earlier in the season? So the the fact they made the playoffs is an incredible achievement, really. Definitely the you know the, the biggest overachievers you would have thought in the in the division. Certainly nobody would have predicted a, a top six finish for Barnsley this season. So yeah, I, I think they'll they'll be quietly confident. They'll they'll probably try and push the underdog tag. But I'm not sure I'm mean, I entirely agree with it because, like I said, our record has not been anywhere near as good over the last 15 games or so. Obviously, we've we've lost quite a lot of games and now we've um, conceded far more goals than we did in the, the first 30 or so games. So, yeah, I I think Barnsley will will fancy this and they'll they'll also try and play the the media game as well to try and put a little bit of pressure on us. And if we look at at Barnsley's squad,
0: you know they they've got a lot of players here who were bought for relatively cheaply, but but who've gone on then to to show their quality. Though know, they are, they are among the best in the in the business when it comes to ch- wheeling and dealing in the in the championship, and they, they've been that way for a number of years now. This is the culmination of 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 years of really shrewd but and and steady squad building. You know, but you look at the likes of. You know, Mads Anderson in defence, Alex Moe at the midfield, Daryl D K has arrived halfway through the season and, and scored nine goals in in nineteen appearances. Um, I really like the look of Callum Britton in midfield, um, Callum Styles at left wing back, Callie Woodrow, Of course, has, be, has been in the goal, Connor Chaplin. These these kind of players they've really made their their stamp in this uh, in this division this season. But. I mean, Matt. One of the ways in which they've they've done it is is similar to Swansea, really. When when Barnsley are at their best, when they are high energy, when they are um, you know in your face, closing you down, really forcing you to make poor decisions. Basically, um, I mean, is do you, do you think that 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 the Swans have what it takes actually to? To deal with that and and to adapt their game to you know to to circumvent that kind of the high pressing high energy game that the Barnsley play,
2: yeah, I mean we're capable of it, whether we do it or not. It, you know as 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 we discussed form and whatnot it's it's another thing early on in the season you you would say that our our tactic to um to to grab uh, grab a goal, be clinical without finishing and uh, stifle teams at the other end would, would, would stand us in good stead. Um, but um, for me, you know, I, I've, I've not watched every every Barnsley game. I'd be lying if I said I did. But from what I've seen, particularly in the last few months or so, um, it could, it feels like it could boil down to how we handle um DK up front you know I feel like he is a, he's a beast and <laughs> he's going to be really difficult he's going to be an absolute handful and um and and the other players are are performing great whatever and and he seems to be a focal point from what I've seen to 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 what Barnsley do so well and and you know so so often the end product as well um he's the one I'm worried about because he's the sort of player you know we went we shopped in America didn't we in January and had we brought him back we could be now looking at a you know talking about how we're, we're back in the Premier League automatically because um he he looks like the uh the real deal and, and there's already talk of some big big money moves going in for him in the summer um from the likes of of, of Man United and the such so he's you know already you know pricked the interest of some huge clubs um it'll be interesting to see what happens there but also you know how we cope with it because um because he's been a revelation. They're the other players, as you say, uh, are, are players that we've heard of before and have performed spectacularly over the last nine months or so. Um, he he's the uh, he's the ace in the hole for me.
0: Mm, I, he has been absolutely brilliant. There's no doubt about that. One little glimmer of hope in this uh, in this situation is the fact that he's only got one in his last five. And when you look at the teams that he's scored against this season, he hasn't scored against any of the teams kind of um, in the top six or, or, or chasing the top six. They have been against either relegation battlers or mid-table teams. That's obviously, mm. you know not to discredit, he, he has been a fantastic signing for them, and he is going to be a major danger, and he's not going to be the only one. Um One other stat I picked out that may may offer us a bit of hope. Um, Barnsley score an awful lot of their goals from dead ball situations, set pieces, penalties. Um, 41% of their goals, uh, well, I'll put this way, only 59% of their goals this season have come from open play, um, which, is, which is very low. It's one of the lowest in the mm. division. Um, only Cardiff have a, have a worse stat for, for percentage of goals from open play in the top half of the table. Um, and it's one of the few areas where actually Swansea have been pretty good throughout the season uh, is defending set pieces. Swansea have only conceded nine goals from dead ball situations all season, which is the lowest in the championship. So that just gives me a little bit of hope to say that if we can stop Barnsley from set pieces, you do go a long way towards stopping them. and I do think that if we've got you know um the right defense in place uh, and that defense is switched on as we know it can be, uh, then it is a very difficult defense to to play against. um Steve, on that note who who what well, first of all, what's the system that we should be adopting for this match and and who are the players that you would pick for such a for such a big game?
1: This is generally a tough question. i I'm not sure what to do um, in this one, whether we should go revert to a back five, which in general stood us in good stead, but obviously it seemed to go a bit stale, so we changed it, which I thought was the right call at the time. Do we go back to it now? Maybe, I think. Could be worth considering, because you know I, I don't see another way of us going up other than us basically shit and our way through it and you know, maybe just taking one of the odd chances we create and keeping things tight defensively. So, in that sense, maybe we should go to a back five, and then that allows us to play with Bennett, Gueye, and Cabango. I know you're probably going to make the point about Cabango, especially being good in the air. I mean, he scored obviously um in the away game against Barnsley, didn't he? So, you know, that could be a, a good threat for us from a set piece. And then you're thinking in midfield, I think, I know who Rahan has, has had some criticism at times, but. I really think if we're going to get a goal, he needs to be in the team. So it'd probably be him with Grimes and Fulton in the middle, low AU up top. I suppose it would probably go... Well, Roberts would definitely be one wing back with uh, and Manning with the other. So I think that's what I would do for the first leg. And then I'd maybe consider changing it for the second one and maybe going with a 4-3-3, depending on how we've done. I just think the the first game is, is a crucial one, really. I, I We don't really want to be losing it, I don't think. I think if we we were to we don't really want to be chasing a game that doesn't really suit us at all we're far better at hanging on to a lead than being made to chase so yeah we we need to make sure we're we're in a good position really for the the second leg
0: Matt what about you what what would you pick what would you pick then if you were Steve Cooper
2: heading up to uh, Oakwell on Monday night Oh I I I wouldn't really I wouldn't really change a lot over the, from what we've done in the last couple of weeks, personally, because I feel like the, I mean, what what we you talked about us looking so refreshed and stuff with a a and low obviously feeling like a bit of a rest and whatever, and that's because we've had the luxury of you know playing the likes of Liam Cullen and, and Morgan Whittaker and giving them the game time, um, and I feel like maybe you know playing the type where you've got. Ao and Low either side of Liam Cullen and um, and and going going with that um, gives us uh, an attacking impetus, you know, to really, you know, try and get the result um, at, at Barnsley um, that will stand us in great stead. I do I do understand that these games are and this season has been in such a way that um, and, and perhaps lacking in the quality that going down even by the odd goal in the first leg could be. Uh, could be a horrible situation to come back in the home leg to but um, I'm not 100% sold on the idea of going back to the the, the back five which I was previously a, a huge advocate of but um, but uh, it's hard because also our biggest one of our biggest threats are the likes of Conor Roberts and that and so you know you want him he's probably one of our best attackers which is ludicrous from a right back but uh <laughs> He's um he's a real starlet and probably one of our most saleable assets now at the club, um so you know I really hope that we can get him in the game whatever formation we play but um but no I I feel like the likes of Whittaker and Cullen have perhaps warranted at least a a cursory nod from from Cooper to see whether they can uh, they can influence the uh, the first leg, um how that plays out uh, I guess we'll see but um, I wouldn't be against Doing the three up top and uh, and seeing if we can give Barnsley a few problems.
0: I'm really I'm really torn on it because I think I think we have played better football visually over the last few weeks um, than we have done for a while. The passing um, is the passing's a little bit better. Um, we've been scoring reasonably regularly this uh, over the last few games. Um, but yeah that, that five at the back, it did kind of smother Barnsley earlier on the season. We, it did hold hold strong and it just gives you that kind of extra defensive solidity uh, when played properly, of course, um, which I don't think we've we've had really when we've been playing with a four at the back of, over recent games. and I just I, I'd be tempted like you, Steve, to go five at the back uh, again and just get that extra defender in there, j- just for the first leg, just to make sure that we aren't two goals down, say, going back to the Liberty. If we can just keep a nil-nil or heaven forbid, you know, snatch a goal like we did in previous games uh, against Barnsley um, to give us that advantage. I mean, it, it would be massive, but I don't think Cooper's gonna do that. I think, you know, we've been playing four, five, one or four, what, four 3 3 then for the last few games. I, I think it would be a, a very unusual um, act by Cooper to to change that now and go back to the formation that um, that we used for in the first part of the season and for, for much of the second as well. So I'd be surprised if if we did go back to five at the back, but I I definitely wouldn't be I, if he if he did go for it, i think it would be a very brave move because he's he's leaving himself open for for a lot of criticism if he um if it goes wrong after switching to five at the back but i would understand the thinking definitely um just before we go um obviously we're playing against Barnsley in the playoffs this may be a bit of a downer really to to end the uh, the podcast on, but but it does bring back memories of the last time we faced uh, Barnsley in the playoffs. It's actually the last time that we've lost that we lost to Barnsley in any competition. Um, but it was uh, what 15 years ago, uh, a decade and a half, uh, when we all uh, boarded trains, buses, and uh, made our way up to Cardiff um, for that day, the playoff final. It was all meant to it was all written in the stars that the swans would go back to the championship after a, what more than 20 year absence from the second tier unfortunately it didn't uh, go to plan matt what what are your memories of that uh, of that fateful day
2: well, I could give you mine, but now seems as good a time as ever to introduce our special guest, Rory Fallon. On the No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of those games, wasn't it, where we should have had them out of sight. Um, I felt like we were better than them in almost every capacity in that day, and I was really gutted um, when it went the way it did. Um, I felt like we were better. I, as I say, I think I felt like we were a better team. Um, you know, we missed quite a few chances, and uh, it comes down to play, uh, penalties then. And it was, uh, it was, it was her, a horror show, wasn't it? Um, you know, was it Tate Bayo? Um, was it maybe o- O'Leary, Maybe I can't remember who, if anyone else missed the penalty. No, but but
0: it's just, um, it was just
2: Bayo and then Tate who missed. Just Bayo and Tate, yeah. And Bayo's I remember in particular was a, was a shocker. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was gutting. It was gutting because I I wasn't as heartbroken, if, I, if I'm if i honest, as I was with North, Northampton back in 97 because I feel like Northampton was just such a shock. But f- when you get to penalties, I think you're already emotionally braced, aren't you? Because you know that this could go horribly wrong, whereas Northampton was such a shock. It just completely blew me away. Um, the The... The Barnsley one was more just, just feeling a bit gutted about the whole thing, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, and but history is a way of you know making you think. Well, maybe it was for the best because what followed that was uh, was unprecedented and uh, led us to um, to a European adventure ultimately. So, you know, you know, world well, has a funny way of making things uh, pan out.
0: Steve, um, how, how do you remember that day at uh, at uh, the Millennium Stadium? match says it wasn't as bad as Northampton. What well, what was your take on it?
1: I think for me it was actually worse because it was around the time where I was going to pretty much all the games, and I was like dreaming of uh, getting in the championship. I Remember, obviously Cardiff were in there, a lot of other good sides were in there. You just think, I think at that time as well, like it was so unexpected us, you know, being up there. I remember thinking, Christ, we might never get another chance like this. Um, and you, you just don't know how things will, will pan out. Obviously, everything panned out brilliantly in the end, and it, it didn't really matter. But it, it was horrible because, you know, um, we, we were the better side. I mean, I remember Tate and Trundle missing big chances. When it goes to pens, you know, if you lose, it's going to be horrible. And, uh, and yeah, the, the journey home was, was pretty sickening, uh, really. There's, you can't really describe it in... Um, in any other way, it was uh, it was horrible. I remember that year there was the Yorkshire curse was was out in force. We didn't pick up many wins against Yorkshire sides, and obviously it, it ended them with us losing, you no know, quite unfairly in the, in a playoff. final. It's quite remarkable. You said, mind, that we haven't lost to Barnsley since, and technically, I can't remember us ever losing to them because if you think about it, that was a draw, and I think that season we took four points off them. So that's that's pretty staggering, really, isn't it? I know we haven't played Barnsley an incredible amount of times. But we must be into double figures of fixtures against them. And we haven't physically like lost the game to them in 90 minutes, which uh, there can't be many sides with uh, that we've got a record like that against.
0: Uh, as you said that, I am looking back now through them. And the last time that actually we lost to Derby in like normal time without the need for penalties was in 1983 in a Division 2 fixture Which is absolutely unbelievable. Um, That's 10, 12, 14, 16, that's 17 games ago. Um, It's mad, isn't it? So we've, we've played each other 16 times since then, and the only time they've got the better of us was that playoff final. Like, Do they just save their best for when they play us in like significant matches? Do they like just say, No, you can have the regular league matches, but when it comes to the real decisive stuff, the stuff that decides who goes up and stay or stays down, that's that's when we're gonna suck a punch you. Um it's just
2: looking at the um looking at the teams for the game. Um I I think one of the biggest disappointments was the fact that the team that Kenny Jackett had fashioned for for that run was just you, you got you have You never know how they'd have fared in the championship because it was such a fiercely strong attacking team, um, full of bite, and 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 certainly wouldn't roll over anywhere. Um, So uh, it was it was probably the most uh, uh, combative Swans team I've probably seen in my lifetime, Um, and it had everything, didn't it? Um, You're looking at the likes here, you know, you had your Leon Knights, Andy Robinsons, Bayos. Uh, Kev McLeod, Lee Trundle. There um, were some
0: characters there, weren't
2: there? Yeah, you had Leon in there. You know, you had your Gary Monks, Tate, Kev Austin, Willie, um, Willie Gray, um but that Barnsley team, you know, some familiar names there. You know, Daniel Nardiello, Mark Richards, Stephen McPhail of obviously a Cardiff fame. Wow. Um so yeah, it's um it's it's quite nice to look back at the black blast from the past. But uh, it was certainly um, you know, You do think of that. Maybe it was an opportunity missed for all those players to really showcase because I know, like, Trundle went on with Bristol City, whatever, and ended up uh, getting a bit of Championship football under his belt. But uh, you, you do wonder whether or not, as a unit, whether that team could have done something in the Championship as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at that squad... It, it, was a, it was a good squad, wasn't it? I know the season itself was kind of... It started off on a massive high. We dipped in the second half of the season, a bit like this one. Um, but then, you know, got into the playoffs in the end. But the the the, the team that started that match, Willie Gary in goal, um, you had a back four of uh, Sam Ricketts, Kevin Austin, Gary Monk, Alan Tate... Um, Christian O'Leary and Owentida Jones starting in central midfield, Leon on the right, Andy Robinson on the left, Rory Fallon and Leon Knight up front. Um, And the players who came on, Lee Trundle, Bayo Akinfenwa and Kevin McLeod coming off the bench. I mean, that was was a strong, strong team. And it was, um, obviously, it's not one of, thankfully it didn't turn into one of those, like, um, kind of, Decisive moments like where you know that's your one chance to go up, or, or else you know you're you you you're doomed to stay in League One forever. Because obviously, two years later, we were going up. But I mean, it, it was, I'll be honest, from my point of view, that's that's the most that's my most painful memory as a Swans fan, I think. Um,
2: League, I, League I, One team or on, League One team or on knock it though. I'll ask you both this would you fancy that team that played against Barnsley or this team?
0: This team, definitely. Without without hesitation.
1: Uh, Yeah, you'd say this team, but um, that team would definitely cause a few headaches uh, going forward. I just think that defensively, uh, that team wasn't great, especially the goalkeeper.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Gary was not the same player in League One as he was in uh, in League Two. Gary
1: should have been left in jail at Barrie. He wasn't the (laughs) same after it. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, they should have taken the team bus. Back to Swans, you just go, oh, it's
0: leaving me really pointless now. I can't believe, though, the midfield of, like, I know Owenty to Jones was decent that, that, that season. You now, he was a decent player in general, League One level, but the midfield mm-hmm. that day was Owenty to Jones <laughs> and Christian O'Leary. That's, like, that doesn't seem like a midfielder you'd expect to see in a, in a League One playoff
2: final, if I'm being honest. The fact, so, the fact but, that we went into that game without the centre midfielder on the bench. Yeah. You know, we had, we had two strikers, a winger, a wing-back and a goalkeeper. Um, so, you know, Jacket loved his attacking players. Neve, you just look at that team and you just wonder how on earth we didn't just blitz our way to the title. Because, And, and the fact that Leon Knight and Leo, Lee Trundle rarely played together is one of the biggest travesties in model, modern football for me.
1: Yeah, here's a the so question like, then, right? So the team that did actually go up under Martinez, how would that team get on against this one?
0: it would run rings around it if i'm being honest i think the same like it was it was, that that team was a cut above that that has to be like one of the best teams that's ever been in the third tier it's it's just it was just an unbelievable sight that one i mean players that should never ever have been at such a low level um, you know that 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 was there was something seriously special about that team there was some real premier league quality in that team um Whereas, you know, you look back at the, the the team that Jacket had, how many of those players can we honestly say, you know, were, were Premier League quality? Obviously, Monk and, and Leon went on to play, as did Sam Ricketts in the Premier League. I, I think Leon Knight like, possibly had the potential to do so if his, if his head was in the right place. Other than that, I, obviously, Alan Tate played a few games in the Premier League too, but... You know um, that, that things go his way there, but other than that, I don't think there was. Yeah, you, know, you know, Trundle obviously was on the bench, and and he possibly could have could have done in the Premier League had he, you know, gone at the right time, etc. But there was so much more in that Martinez team. You know, DeVries, Rangel, you still had the likes of Monk and and Leon um and tate etc you you had ashley williams joining later on in that season the midfield ferry border darren Prattley, um even you know jason scotland wasn't bad at front paul anderson the way he was playing that season looked like a premier league player and waiting that was that was something special and i think it was a cut above the squad that that just fell short of the final hurdle in my opinion i don't know about you matt
2: oh yeah i mean well Facts don't lie, that team romped home, the division. Um, and, and that team did what the, the previous team couldn't. So um, it was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a special team under a special manager. And I don't think anyone can rewrite history there. It was, uh, it was just phenomenal to watch, you know, pl- pl- plucking players from left, right and centre you'd never heard of before. And suddenly they were just like the most entertaining team. And, you know, Jason Scotland and... Um, you know, watching the likes of uh, Jordi Gomez and stuff like that, and and having that delight of just knowing that we would have sixty percent of the ball minimum, and we would pass triangles around the opposition. Martinez came not to not to win games and and take us up. He he came to 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 introduce a philosophy. And that stood us in stead, good stead, for ten years. So you know, there's a lot to credit that man for, that um, that 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 the future Swans teams, you know, benefited from because um, he revolutionised everything, didn't he? Let's be honest.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And um, we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent there, but let's just bring it back to uh, to this uh, this week's match. Uh, we're just going to finish off the podcast as we always do with a prediction this is very difficult because of the, the circumstances, because of the importance of the game. It's all down to who kind of reacts best, who brings their A game and um, rises to the occasion. On that note, Steve, away at Oakwell on Monday night, do you think the Swans are going to rise to the occasion and what's your prediction?
1: Um, I think we'll do okay. I'm expecting quite a cagey affair. I don't think anyone's going to go gung-ho to... Uh to try and make uh, land a knockout blow in the first game, really. Um, My prediction is going to be, though, that Barnsley will win Mm, 1-0.
2: 1-0
0: from Steve. Matt, what, what are
2: you saying? I agree with almost everything Steve says there. I think this is where the advantage of the second leg comes into it, because you don't know when you're playing home first what, the, how the ground is going to lie whereas when you're home second you know exactly what you need to do um, and so for that reason I do think like Steve said it's going to be quite a cagey affair no one's going to show their cards or all their cards at least. Um, Barnsley will understand that obviously it would be advantageous for them at this point to try and get the win while they're at home but at the same time they certainly don't want to lose the home leg and, and 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 give themselves an impossible task so I think it's going to finish one all. and and I do think, actually, at that point, both managers are going to be quite happy that they've got a ninety-minute shootout at the Liberty to decide their fate.
0: Joe, I'm tempted to go the same way. I th- I, I agree with both of you. I I don't think it's going to be a pretty game, really. Now, the, the the pretty football is going to be reserved for Bournemouth against Brentford, and this one is not going to be a pretty one for the neutrals. Um, you know, both these teams. I think Barnes Barnsley's passing stats are like among the worst in the division. They they're not. You know they they're capable of of having the, you know some nice moves etc. But they're not really a passing side in any way shape or form. Um, their game revolves around putting the opposition under kind of physical pressure and um, just overloading them in that in that respect. Um, but I think I think the Swans are capable of matching Barnsley's strengths. And I think while neither side is going to go gung ho and and go hell for leather. Um, I can see both sides canceling each other out, and I'm I'm going to agree with you, Matt. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. I don't I that may be optimistic because I th- I think a one 0 draw would be a good result in this game, um, as long as we're not trailing going back to the Liberty. I think it would be a um, a decent result. But the main thing, really, even if we're just a goal down going back to the Liberty, it's not the worst result in a two-legged two-legged fixture where the, th- there's no away goals rule. Um, I think. Basically, I, I'd be surprised if this game is kind of um, out of reach going back to the Liberty because I don't think either side is going to take too many risks at Oakwell. Um, now that I've said that, you can put. Yeah, your I'm money terrified.
2: On a, now we've all agreed on that.
0: You, you can put your money on three nil. Oh God! You know, <laughs> we don't
2: score. We don't score enough goals either. That if we did go for it and we lost two 0 in the first leg. You know, you say, oh, you've got the home leg at home, but are we likely to score two? Mm, are we likely to score three, Le- even less so, you know? So I, now, we all agreed it's going to be cagey and terrified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: think, it, listen, I think we've got a better chance against Barnsley than we have against um, Bournemouth or Brentford, but we but we all agree, I think, that it's going to be a very difficult game um, and, and the Barnsley are going to give us a hell of a challenge. And um, it's, it's going to be... I, th- I think down to mental toughness as much as physical toughness. Who who goes through you? Um, and and the Swans are going to have to hold their nerve. They're going to have to deal with a lot of pressure, and it's it's going to be a real test for them. And it's going to be interesting to see h- how our approach differs from from last season against Brentford because we've got a very different opposition, but we're in a very different situation as well. So um, let's uh, let's just see how it goes. Hopefully, of course, the Swans can rise to the occasion and can give us uh, a valuable result going back to uh, the Liberty. We will be back next week after that match to uh, look back at the Oakwell Clash and look ahead to the massive one at the Liberty. And by then, who knows? We may have found out if any of us have tickets for that match. But until then, thank you very much for joining us.